give our cars to Ariel and to the student government and to all all those who helped out setting up and involved in so many logistics that we have no idea what they are but we see the payers like to very much thank the Mashkiach band led by Reb Gedalia and of course uh, added this year by uh, Josh and Yavniel and Simcha and I'd like to thank each and every one of you for coming and being Mishdatif in this beautiful Tish and to Suda Luchavit Hanukkah One of the most underestimated parts of Hanukkah, parts of the Menorah, is the Shamish. The Shamish, I think we all consider to be sort of a, uh, exactly what the name implies. It's a Shamish, it's an attendant, it's like the Shamish in Shul. He's not the rabbi, and he's not the gabbai, and he's not the president. He's the Shamish. And the Shamish of the Menorah, the Shamish, is Meshamish, the Neiris. It serves a functional purpose to light the Neiris, and so that after they're lit, if you should ever come close to being Nenef from the Neiris, we'll chalk it up to being, having been Nenef from the Shamish and not from the actual Neiris. But if you look in the Svarim Akadashim, you see a world of difference between what the perception of this Shamash is and what the reality is. In the Kafachayim, Lamashal, he brings that Alpi Said, Alpi the Tyrus Anistar. The Shamish is supposed to be above the other Neiris. I noticed this year that my Menorah doesn't have that. It's The Shamish is lower. There is a Shita in the Paiskim that says Dafka should be lower. But the Kapachayim says that, that Alpi Said, the Shamish is supposed to be the highest candle. <coughs> and I saw a Taich in that Yisaid. In the Kava Yashar, in the Sefer Kava Yashar, he brings an amazing piece on Hanukkah. And there he says, the reason that the Shamish should be higher than the other Neiris is because he brings the Maril, the Heilag Maril, who says, a remez, srofim, oimdim, mima'aloi, the burning fiery angels are standing mimaal above loy. Loy is lamid vav, which is the thirty-six neiris of Hanukkah. The srofim are aimdim mimaloi. Above and beyond those thirty-six neiris of Hanukkah stands the srofim, stands the shamish, and he says you should know something that the kedushas hashamish is yisera. 
Mikdushas HaNeiros. As great as holy as the Neiros are, and there is no greater, holier thing to Klal Yisrael the Neiros of Hanukkah, but there is something holier, and that's the Shamish. Srafim Oimdim Mimaloi. It's a higher madrega than even the nearest Hanukkah, is the Shamish. And he says that there's a greater Kedusha to the Shamish. And he says, Shaner HaShamish Hudugmas HaKayin Shoyamadlik Neiris Beves HaMikdash. You know what the Shamish is? The Shamish is the symbol it's the embodiment. It's the personification of the Kayin as he stood in the Beisam Mikdash lighting the Neiris. That's what the Shamish is. Is there anything greater than the Kayin in the Beisam Mikdash doing his Avaida? When we take the Shamish tomorrow night and we light the two Neiris, we should know that the Kedusha that we're holding in our hands is Mamish holding a Kayin as he's doing the Avaida of lighting the Menorah in the Beis HaMikdash. And he says, the Kabayashar, that you shouldn't use the Shamish for anything. We know that in Halacha it's brought, in the Mechaber, and the Ramah there it's brought, how you should only use the Shamish when you need to use something, you know, you need to use it for something, for reading, you should use the Shamish. The Kabayashar says... Not so fast. He says, you shouldn't use the shamish. And he says, you shouldn't use it to use it as people do to play cards with. On Hanukkah, it was an old minig, a minig toys that people used to play. Cartin, cards. He says, to use such a holy shamish for playing cards. He says, you shouldn't use it for anything. And he says, If you're medactic in this mitzvah of the shamish, and you don't touch the shamish, you leave it where it is, don't use it for anything. It's a schus, it's a skula, you'll see. That if you're makbid not to use that Helegashamish, you're gonna be able to be Zoicha, to be Madlik, to see the Neiris that are burning in the Beis Hamikdash, What I want to talk about tonight is I want to delve into this Kavayasher a bit, what he means to say about the Shamish as being representative of the Kayin Gadol, or of the Kayin who is Meshamesh in the Beis HaMikdash. And I want to come out with some, some Lekach for us. In Parshas Baal Parsha starts out, Baal Leischa, Saneirais, Omop, Neam, Nere, Yerushiba, Saneirais. Aaron HaKayin is commanded on the day of the Miluim on the day of the Akamas HaMishkan to bring up the candles to light the Neiris HaMenaira on the Mikdash. And Rashi famously asks, Lama Nismacha Parshas Hadlokas Neiris, 
Why is there a smichas akra between the parish of Avakas Neira? It's the parish of the Akravas Nesim. At the end of Parshas Nasai, the parasha before Baalaischa, it speaks about all of the Nesim. We're going to lean about it tomorrow morning. One Nasi after another Nasi being, ma- being Makrib Karbanais. By the beginning of the Hakamas HaMishkan, anointing, inaugurating the Mishkan with Karbanais. What is the Smichas HaParshia? Zok Drashi, B'Shem the Medrash. When Aaron saw that the Nesim had such a gewaldig achelik in the building of the Mishkan, in the Akamas HaMishkan, that they were makrib every day, their karbanais. Aaron had tremendous chalish sadas. He felt terrible. He says, why am I not able to have some chalik in that Aveda? Why, do, why is it the domain of the Nesim? Why can't I, not him, and not the whole Shevet Levi, not the Kayanim, not the Levim, they had nothing of major significance to do during the Akamas HaMishkan. So Aaron was depressed until HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, until HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, Chayecha, I swear to you, Shelcha Gidayla Mishalahem, your chalak is greater than their chalak. Sha'ato madlik umetiv esaneris. Because you are going to be madlik umetiv esaneris. You're gonna light the neiris and you're gonna prepare the neiris. You're gonna prepare the oil. You're gonna get your hands dirty. You're gonna prepare the wicks and the oil and clean out yesterday's oil. And every day that's gonna be your avoid. You're gonna be madlik umetiv esaneris. So, Relax, Aaron. Don't be depressed. Don't be upset. Don't have chalish sadas. You have a much greater avayda than they do. What I wanted to say, Pshat, in this Rashi is, why were the Nesim Zaycha to bring those karbanis at the beginning of the Mishkan at the beginning of that parsha of the Akravas HaKarbanes, the Torah calls the Nesim, the Nesie HaMatis. These were the Nesim of the tribes. The Rashi says, you know what Mata means? Mata means a stick. That who are these Nesim in a previous lifetime? The Nesim were really the policemen in Egypt. They were the Jewish policemen. They were supposed to be overseeing that the Jews do their work. And they took the patch when the Egyptian taskmasters would come around and punish the Yidden, the Nesim. They took the hit for Klal Yisrael. They were the Nesim Hamatais. They were the ones that were standing between the Egyptian whip and the Klal Yisrael. They were the Nesim Hamatais. They were the Nesim that took patch on behalf of Klal Yisrael. And because of that schus, they were zeicha, they were zeicha to being makr of these karbanes at the Akamas HaMishkan, as Isaac Rashi. And so what I was thinking is, Aaron was upset, Aaron was depressed, because after all, Shevet Levi wasn't in Egypt. They were in Egypt, but they weren't part of the Sheba of Egypt. 
and they weren't able to take the bullet for Klal Yisrael. They zikr would have, but they couldn't. They weren't part of the Sheba. They weren't in that. They were sitting and learning. They were leading Klal Yisrael in their own way, but they were not part of the Sheba. And Aaron was depressed over that. Aaron said, Halavai, that I should be such a Nasi. I should be a Nasi Amata. I should have been able to be punished in order to protect and save my people. And he was upset by that because he understood that the reason that the Nisim got to be maker of these karbonis was mida keneged mida because they sacrificed their body. They sacrificed their very essence. Their lives were sacrificed on behalf of a fellow Yid in a physical way. And Aaron said, Halavai, my body should be sacrificed for Yid. And I should be Zaycha like they to bring the karbonis of the Mishkan. And to that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, that's not your Avaidah, Aaron. That's their Avaidah. They were taka sacrifices. They were zeichet to great things. And because of that, they got to be makriv, the sacrifices at the Akamas HaMishkan. But I'll tell you something, Aaron. You know what the perfect Avaidah for you is? You know what you embody? Sha'ata madlik umetives aneirais. I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to give you your own very custom-tailored Avaida on the Mishkan, and that's the Adlaka Saneris, the Adlaka and the Atava Saneris, because that's you. That defines who you are. You are a Madlik Umetava Saneris. And let me explain what that means. Aaron Akayin. Aaron Akayin was somebody who when he found out that his brother Moshe Rabbeinu was going to be the leader of Klal Yisrael, the hand-picked leader of Klal Yisrael, Moshe Rabbeinu thought that he would be greeted begrudgingly by his brother Aaron. After all, how would you feel if you found out that your kid brother became very chashev in Klal Yisrael, became a leader, became the head, became the manning, became the avanavim? But the Pasuk says, When Aaron HaKayin, with his exalted heart, with his exalted neshama, saw his brother Moshe Rabbeinu, he was the happiest person in the world. He was so overjoyed by Moshe Rabbeinu, by his brother, he was so proud of him, that the Pasuk is made on him, that he's going to be overjoyed. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is made the simcha that was in Aaron's heart. And when Moshe Rabbeinu saw that, could you imagine how relieved he was that his brother was there to share in his simcha and not give him some bad vibes, some sibling rivalry, some jealousy, some small pettiness like we might do. Aaron was a gadol shebegdayim, he was a giant in Midas. And he spared his brother the pain of having to endure his older brother's misgivings, and he was happy for his brother, and he was overjoyed for his brother's success. The Mishnah tells us in Avis, in the first parak that Hillel tells us, We should all strive to be the Talmidim of Aaron. Aaron was a person 
who was the perfect human being. He had the perfect heart. He loved peace and he pursued peace. He loved people and he was Makar of those people to Tyra. Rashi and Avis there brings from the Avis there of Nosson how Aaron Akayin, it's amazing, amazing Avis there of Nosson, Aaron Akayin, when he saw two people fighting, you know what he did? He went to Ruvain and he said, Ruvain, I gotta tell you something. You have no idea how bad Shimon feels that he hurt you so much. And if he could do anything possible to atone for what he did to you, he told me that he would. And he would die to see you again and be your friend once again. He's dying to make up. And then Aaron would go to Shimon and tell him the exact same thing about Reuben. And when Reuben and Shimon saw each other next, they would hug and kiss one another in Ava and Reus and Chiba. That's what Aaron Tudayf for Klal Yisrael. He was an Ayev Shalom, Baraydev Shalom. How was he Makarvan Latayra? He was Makarvan Latayra, says the Avastir of Nassan. An amazing thing. He saw somebody that wasn't on the right derech. He was OTD. And what did he do? He wouldn't do what the average rabbi would do maybe and start going over to him, giving him musr about Gehenim and Ganeid and Scharvainesh. Aaron went over to him and he befriended him and he loved him and he showed him how much he cared about him and how close friends they are. And then Aaron walks away and this person scratches his head and says, Oh my gosh. Aaron Akayin is my friend. If you would only know what I do when he's not around, he would never be friendly with me. He would like he would not have wanted anything to do with me. So it behooves me to change and to better myself because that's what Aaron Akain would expect from me. If he would know how, how OTD I am, it would be a terrible avla. He would look at me different. But look, he loves me. He cares about me. And through that, Aaron Akain was Makarim Latayra. He was Makarim one year at a time, Latayra. Aaron Hakayin was a year that was Be'etzem Madlik Umeitaves Haneiros. He was Madlik Umeitaves Haneiros. That's who he was. That was his personal avayda. The word Aaron itself means Ar. He lit people up when he saw people that were fighting. And when a person's in a fight, the whole world is dark for him, the Sifri Musr tell us. There's no greater darkness that when one year doesn't understand one another. Aaron lit up that room that was dark. He lit up those lives. He changed them. He was madlik them. He made Maishra Abeno's eyes that were scared and nervous, he made them bright. He made the people of Machlekes, their eyes were bright. When a husband and a wife were quarreling, Rashi tells us in Chumash, when Aaron Akayin died, it says, Vayivku kol beis Yisrael, gantz klal Yisrael, the whole klal Yisrael cried over the death of Aaron. By Moshe Rabbeinu just says that the men cried. doesn't say anything about kol beis Yisrael implying the women. Rashi explains 
because Aaron made peace between husband and wife. You know how dark it is when a husband and a wife are not getting along. Aaron Akayin changed that. He illuminated the marriage. He illuminated the life of a husband and wife. The whole home was brightened by Aaron. And he was made to Vesaneris. He fixed them. He fixed people. He was makarv them lataira. He changed people. He developed people. He inspired them. He touched them. He lit them up. Shalcha gedailam yishalahem. Your avayda is not karbanais. That's the Nesim's avayda. Your avayda Aaron is your madlik umetavesaneris and that's why I'm giving you the special mitzvah that's perfect for you. That you're going to be madlik in Menaira and the mikdash which symbolizes what you do. You're madlik, you're mativ. The neshamas of Klai Yisrael, the neiras, the neirashem nishmas adam. That's your tafkin in life, Aaron. And with that, Aaron was appeased. But the Ramban, the famous Ramban on that parsha Ba'al you can't go through a Hanukkah without learning this Ramban. Ramban asks, what was he depressed about? He asks a whole lot of questions, the Ramban, which we can't get into right now. But Aaron was upset. Aaron didn't have his own carbonus. He didn't have his own katiris. What's the difference? I mean, he, why was he so upset? And what was so great about the, the Avlakas Haneris, the Ramban asks. And basically the Ramban says that Aaron was told about what's going to be in Lander College on the first night of Hanukkah. In Tavshin Ayin Hey, there's going to be a time, Aaron, that your great grandchildren, the Chashmainoim, Chashmainoim, Kaihanim, they're going to fight a battle against the Yavanim. Klal Yisrael is going to be doomed, but they're going to spare. They're going to save Klal Yisrael, and then they're going to. There's going to be a nace. That the minaira, which really logically should not burn, because there was no shemen betara, they're going to find the shemen betara, and it's going to burn miraculously. And when it burns miraculously, there's going to be an itzachin of Hanukkah. and that's what Hakadosh Baruch Hu is being mafayis iron with. That not only is there going to be a minaira now, there's also karbonus now, but your minaira is going to last into the bayasheni. By the times of the Chashmainam, your great-great-grandchildren, and beyond. <coughs> when there's a Chorban, after there's no Beis HaMikdash, Yidin are going to still be lighting this Nair. The Nairis of Hanukkah are going to stay bright forever and ever, even Bizman Chorban. You have to see the Ramban inside. And what I think is the Taich and the Ramban, according to what we're saying tonight, it's that the Chashmainam did the same thing as Aaron. What happened during the Tkufa of Hanukkah and the Bayasheni? Klal Yisrael was at a very, very low, low point in their history. The Bach says that the reason for the Gezeris against Avayd and the Mikdash that the Yavanim imposed on us is because Klal Yisrael was sort of lackadaisical. They were, they were not interested in the Avayd. They were misatzel. They're misatzel b'avayda. They're misrashlim b'avayda. I think is lashon of the Bach. They're misrashel, weak. They're not interested. They're just indifferent about the whole avayda. It was a dark, dark period. 
And then the Gezeris came down and they got scared. And you know what brightened up their eyes? What brightened up their eyes was when the Chashmainam went and miraculously defeated Rabban Biad Ma'atim, the Yivanim, all of a sudden they got excited once again. The light in their dark and dead eyes became bright again. Klai Yisrael began to see Lichtig. They saw the Rabbein Yisrael, they saw Nisim, they saw Yeshua's. And you know what happened in response? As soon as they were able, as soon as the Chashmainam through their miraculous Messiah Nefesh and victory over the mighty Syrians, Syrian Greeks, as soon as they did that, you know what happened? The Menorah lit up, reflective of what the Madlik Umetev Eshanera is, how the Chashmainam were able to be Madlik Klal Yisrael's Neshama once again, all of a sudden, the Neiris of Hanukkah, eight days miraculously, the Menorah lit up, reflecting the Kayach of Aaron once again. Aaron, the major person in history who was Aeves Abrias, Makarvan Latira, Madlik Umetevis Aneiris. He was Zaycha to the Menorah by the Chanukah Sabayas, by the Chanukah Samishkan, and the Chashmainayim later followed in his footsteps, also brought a light back. He was, they were madlik umetiv klal Yisrael, and then, and only then, were we zeichet to this gewaldik and of the Menorah to show that this is what the Chashmainam, this is what Aaron HaKayin Zavedah is all about. To light up the darkness, to make lichtig when we're dark and depressed, when things look so bleak, and perhaps we're bored, and we're apathetic, to Yiddishkeit, comes along Aaron Akayin, comes along the Chashmainoim, and is madlik umate of the neighbors of Klal Yisrael. And this is the Avaidah of Hanukkah today. Even in the Churban, and especially in the Churban, Aaron needed to know. Aaron, who was so careful and so caring about the Neshamas of Klal Yisrael, he needed to know that even Bizman the Churban, there's going to be still people, there's going to be Kayhanim out there, who make it their business to be Madlik Umetev Esaneres. These are dark times we're living in. We're living in the darkest of times. It's at the Saif HaGolos. It's 2,000 years of Golos. Rabbi Yaakov Emden wrote a few hundred years ago in his Sefer, he says that, to me, greater than the miracles of Mitzrayim and Kriyas Yamsuf and, and coming into Territ Yisrael, much greater to me is the miracle that Klal Yisrael is able to endure in Golos this long. Do you know what a miracle it is that we're sitting here right now? There's no greater miracle ever you take Kriyas Yamsuf and Mantaira and, and the Eser Makis and, and you lump them all together and it doesn't hold a candle, pardon the pun, to what we're doing here tonight. That we're able to sit in a world that's so dark and so bleak and we're so inundated by the Cheshkas Hagolos. And here we are and we're singing and we're dancing and we're speaking Divrei Taira together. And we're being madlik umetiv esaneres. We have to be the shamish. We have to be the shamish that 
even though it's higher than everything. It's the Kayin. The Kayin goes and takes his light and goes down to the Hamaynam. Aaron HaKayin, the great Kayin, he left the base Hamikdash to what? To get his hands dirty and squabbling between two people, between a husband and a wife, between people that weren't from. That's what an Aaron HaKayin does. That's what the Hashmainam did. And that's what we, who are the modern-day Kayhanim, believe it or not, I don't care whether you're a Kayin or a Levi or Yisrael, you are a Kayin. You're a Kayin. You are Aaron HaKayin. You know, if Shimon Schwab once went to the Chavetz Chaim, and the Chavetz Chaim was already older, very old, and Rav Schwab was very young, and the Chavetz Chaim was talking to Rav Schwab, and he says to Rav Schwab, he says, he says, you know that I'm a Kayin. He says, Rav Schwab says, of course, the whole world knows that you're the Kayin Gadol. So Rav Schwab says, are you a Kayin? I mean, the Chavetz Chaim asked Rav Schwab, are you a Kayin? So Rav Schwab says, no, I'm not a Kayin. He says, you're not a Kayin? He says, no, I'm not a Kayin. He says, why aren't you a Kayin? So Rav Schwab thought maybe the Chavetz Chaim wasn't feeling well. He was older already. He says, well, I wasn't a Kayin because my father's not a Kayin. He says, oh. He says, and why was your father, why was your father not a Kayin? He says, oh. You know, that would probably be because my grandfather wasn't a Kayin. He says, and why was your grandfather not a Kayin? He says, because my great-grandfather was a Kayin. He says, no! He says, that's not why you're not a Kayin. Chavetz Chaim says, you know why I'm a Kayin and you're not a Kayin? Because thousands of years ago when Moshe Rabbeinu said, Mila Hashem Eli, when the Klal Yisrael was at the ego and the whole world was spinning out of control, and Moshe Rabbeinu says, Mil Hashem Eli, my great-great-grandfather came running to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, I'm here. I hear the call and here I am reporting for duty, sir. And your great-great-grandfather did not. And that's why today I'm a Kayin and you're not a Kayin. And he said you should know something. You see from this Misa that when you hear a calling, when you hear a calling from the Rabbi Shalom, you must answer the call. And you can't ignore it. You have a calling in life and you have to respond to that call. And he says, never, ever, ever forget that. And Rav used to tell over this Misa many times. And I was pretty close with Rav I wasn't, you know, a ben bias by him, but Baruch Hashem, I had a good relationship with him. <coughs> and I once went to visit him when he was up in Camp Moodis in Moodis, Connecticut. And I asked him then, he was alone, he was sitting in the basement, and I said, I want to hear that Misa from him directly. I heard it many times on tapes, and I read it in his farm, but I wanted to have a Messiah directly from Rav And he, with such relish, he told me the Misa exactly like I told it to you. We're all Kayhanim. We all are answering a call. The Rambam writes in Saif Hilchas Shmita V'yayvel, V'loy Shevet Levi Bavad. Don't think that this special assignment of Baruch Hashem Chelai, Ophal Yad of Tirzav Hakadosh Baruch Hu, having a special troop of soldiers of Hakadosh Baruch Hu that listen to him and learn his Torah and perform his duty and get the, as a result, get all the Matnas Kuna and all the Meisters and Shumas. Don't think that that's Shevet Levi Bavad. 
but rather it's called Miash and Isai by anyone that wants to uplift themselves and elevate their lives to do as the Levim do. They also could be Zaycha Tashem and Aschelka Yakarishparch will be their Khalak Vitaimak Garalai. We're all Kayhanim if we want to be, if we want to hear a calling in life. We could all be Kayhanim and we must be Kayhanim. Do you think we have the luxury to be anything but Kayhanim anymore? Do you think that there are so many of us out there that's going to do the job of Kayhanim if we don't? How many from a Yidin, how many B'nai Taira are there already? You have to answer the call. You're a Kayin. You have to be Meshamish Klal Yisrael. You have to take your flame that you're filling yourselves up with in Yeshiva every day. And you have to sometimes be Nachis Dagi. You have to go down a little bit. And share your tire with others. You have to be madlik umetavis aneirais. That's your job. That's our job. Chanukah is a time to open up our ears and to hear the calling. To see how dark it is outside. To see people drowning. To see people that are so in need of somebody being of them. Of somebody being madlik them. We can't just stand by and be callous to their plight. We can't afford it. I want to share with you a few stories of people that were madlik umetavis aneiris. There was a yid by the name of Blazer Geltzeler. Blazer Geltzeler was a young, brilliant Talmud Chacham. He was a grandson of Rav Dessler. He was a Hasidish Yid who started a yeshiva for Hasidish Abachim in, in, in Brooklyn. And he lived in Lakewood. And he made the commute daily or weekly. And then at 46 years old, he was on a bus in Eretz Yisrael. He was visiting Talmidim that were living then in Eretz Yisrael. And the bus driver fell asleep, fell asleep at the wheel, and he realized what happened and he was sitting in the front row of the bus and he jumped into the bus driver's seat. He was able to save the bus with all of his Talmidim on it, but he himself crashed and he died. 46-year-old future Gadol. His daughter, two years later, was driving from Lakewood to Brooklyn and she pulled over at a gas station along the Garden State Parkway and there was a dwarf that was filling up her car with gas. And when you see somebody that Leolenu has some major deformity, it's very hard to look at him, it's very hard to relate to him in any which way and you sort of just look away And this gas station attendant was looking and something caught his eye inside of her car. And it was a picture of her father who was nifter then two years. She kept a picture of him in her car. And the attendant, this dwarf, he, he looks at the picture and then he looks at the daughter and he says, oh my gosh, where, where is he? Where's the rabbi? She says, you know him? Of course I know him. 
So how do you know him? She says, well, says two years ago was the last I saw of him, but he used to always come down, you know, he was traveling from Lakewood to Brooklyn to his school, and he used to always come to my gas station where I worked to fill up his car, and he always made me feel good. And he always looked into my eyes. No one ever looks into my eyes, but he did. And he said to me, he says, you know, people in your situation very often would just stay at home and lock themselves in their house and not be able to face the world. He says, but look at you. You're able to every day go and do a job proudly and be able to be functional, be able to be normal, be able to create a life for yourself. He says, to me, that's the most inspirational thing. I have a big yeshiva. I have a big Talmudical academy in Brooklyn with many, many, many students. You know what I'm doing right now? When I go back to the yeshiva, I'm going to tell them, I'm going to give them a talk, and I'm going to speak about you, and I'm going to tell them how great you are and what I learned from you and what we can all learn from you. And then this attendant asked the girl, where is he? I haven't seen him for two years. She told him what happened, and he started crying. She said to him, he said, the man who made me feel tall is gone. That's taich being madlik umetavas aneris. So easy. It's so easy in life to be madlik umetavas aneris, but how often do we do it? How often do we really go that extra step? The extra step, how, how hard is it to strike a match? It's the easiest thing in the world. And like we could do it on a menorah, like we could do it on a candle, we could do it with other people. We could change people so simply, just with a smile, with a hello, with a good morning. You know what we could do with that? I think I said this story, but I know of a story that happened. There was an elder bacher, an older bacher that wasn't married. He was probably in his 30s, maybe 40s, and he lived in a basement apartment in Brooklyn. I lived in a basement apartment in Brooklyn when I was a bacher, and pretty, pretty depressing. Pretty depressing not to see sunlight too many hours a day, and and I was a young Gishmaka Bacher, but he was an Elter Bacher. And, you know, dating wasn't going so well for him, and, you know, nothing was good, and here he was. He should have been married already with many kids, married for many years happily, and just didn't go. And it was Hanukkah. And it was Hanukkah. And the people upstairs from him, the landlord, the young couple, you know, maybe in their late 20s, and they had, they're making a Hanukkah party. And, and the, the, the smell of the latkes was wafting under the door to the basement. And the music, he heard the music from upstairs, and the people were starting to come in that were invited to the party. And this person just got really, really, really depressed. He said, this is my Hanukkah. Zutayr v'zuzchara. This is what I, this is what it all comes down to. This is my last Hanukkah. It's my last Hanukkah in my life. This is it. 
And at that moment, there was a knock on the basement door. And the wife from upstairs was standing there. And this elder Bacher opens the door. And she says, come up. We want to have you by our, by our Hanukkah Masiba. It wouldn't be the same without you. And he comes up, gets himself dressed a little bit. He comes up to the party. He has a wonderful time. And, and after the whole party is over and the people all file out, he stays there to help them clean up a little bit. And he says, I want you to know something. He says, tonight was going to be the last night of my life. I decided that's it. I can't do it anymore. Can't do it. Can't go through the charade anymore. Can't go through the misery. I can't go through the depression. He says, but you knocked on the door. And you made a difference. You thought you were just inviting somebody up to your party. But you saved my life. You saved my life. And I'll never, ever forget that. They were They were the Shamish, the Hanukkah. They were burning bright. They didn't need to stoop down and to knock on the basement door. They could have ignored it. They could have said, what do I need this guy up here for? We're having a nice party. What do I need to be depressed for? They didn't. They were the Shamish. They were higher than all the Neiris. And they went and they were Madlik Umeitavis Neiris. I think I, I'm, I'm on a streak. Every Hanukkah, I don't even know why. It's not even premeditated. But I tend to bring up a Rebbe of mine that really was very instrumental in, in changing the, the course and the direction of my life. And, and it really changed on Hanukkah. My Rebbe's name was Ramesha Fruchtenler, Zechreinu Levracha. And he was a very unique Rebbe. For elementary school, I went to the Hebrew Academy of Long Beach. And he was a Chaim Berliner. He didn't really belong in the Hebrew Academy of Long Beach in any which way. And every day he came in from Flatbush and he drove in and he, he was different than other Rebbeim that I had. I had wonderful rabbeim, don't get me wrong. I, I'm macro-typed every one of them. Almost every one of them. But, um, um, but he was different. And he would laugh in the middle of sheer. Not just when I asked the kasha. And, and he would cry sometimes, just in the middle of sheer, just, just out of the blue. He would just start crying. If he would tell a story, he would tell a barter. He would tell something about his rabbi, Rav Hutner. And he was just different. He was just a different, different person than I was ever exposed to in my life. And then he invited us to his house for Hanukkah. And we went to Brooklyn. We had, took carpools to get to Brooklyn. And, you know, from Long Beach, where I grew up, to Brooklyn wasn't just, you know, a geographical distance. It was Shemayim and Aretz. We went to his house and his wife was popping popcorns in a popcorn machine and the, the whole 
the whole house smelled of popcorn, I remember. We sat around the table, and he just spoke to us. He just spoke to every one of us, Taranishamas, people that came from the most sordid of backgrounds. Baruch Hashem, I had a very good background, and my parents were Yireim and Shleiman, but there were kids in my class that weren't from it. Their parents weren't Shemitah Mitzvahs. And then there were kids in my class that were too cool for school, and there were, there were kids in my class that were, you know, just every single type, every single type. And he appealed to each and every one of them in their own way at the same time. And you don't know how many guys in that I went to Halb with today are are doing unbelievable things. Unbelievable. And it's all because of him primarily. And he was Madlakumatevas Aneris. He was a Kayin who went, he didn't have to go. He was a Fruchtam. The Fruchtam is our very wealthy family. He didn't have to be a Rebbe. He didn't need the paycheck. He could have just sat in Kailal. He could have, you know, done whatever he wanted to do. But he went and he made the trip to Long Beach every day and he was Madlik Umetavis Aneris. And he changed the course of my life. Because of him, I went to a different yeshiva than I was naturally going to go to. And, and if I'm able to be Madlik anyone's Neiris and mate of anyone's neiris since it's because of him in no small measure of course my parents and you know other abayim but he was a major major part of it it's not to say that in order to be a kayin you have to dedicate your whole life to chinuch but you have to dedicate some of your life to chinuch and it doesn't matter what you're going to do in life whatever your plans are whatever your major is whatever your professional ambitions are you should be matzliach beyond your wildest imaginations, but you have to be all in chinuch. You have to be mechanich people. The other night I was able to give Rabbi Green, Greenspan a lift home, and he told me a vart from Meisha Feinstein, which I knew already, but I, he said in a special way how we say every day, expects us to all be malamdim. We're malamdim. What do you mean? We're not all, we are malamdim. We're all malamid by example. And we all have to be malamdim in one form or another. If anyone ever graduates from this yeshiva, you should not think for a second that you could be a regular, ordinary balabayas. That's not what we, are, what we expect of you. You're expected to rise to be a Kayin, to be a Mishamish, to serve the public, to serve Klal Yisrael, to enlighten eyes that are dark. And there are so many thousands and millions of eyes that are dark that they need us, they want us, they're waiting for us, and we have to be there for them. We have to answer the call. And we have to be the Shamish, which the Kavachayim says... The Kavayashar says is, it's the highest. It's the Srafim Emdimimalai. It's the Kayin. The Kayin who is so perfect himself, so full of R, the Aaron, full of R himself, like we all are. We all have that Lichtigkeit to us. Look, at, look around the room at the person sitting opposite you and you'll see it. That R we have to light to hundreds and hundreds of people in Kla Yisrael. We have to be madlik umetev esaneiras. 
And that's our responsibility in life. I want to teach you, many of you know it already, but I want to teach you a song.